This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Everybody, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Casual Podcast. Please leave an iTunes review. It helps make the show rank higher and helps more people find it. And also go to the website and sign up for a free call with me to ask any questions. Today on the line, I have Ed Babkiss, who is the insurance man that I use. How are you doing, Ed? Good evening, Lane. Doing good. How about yourself tonight? Awesome. We're doing this late in the evening because I have to go to work and then I go to the gym. <laughs> so now I'm doing this. My, my pleasure. So where are you calling from? Calling from Long Beach, California this evening. Ah, oh, everybody else is sleeping on the East Coast, but we're still up and working. You know, us West Coast, we get a bad rap, but you know what? We're hard workers out here. I brought Ed on the line because eventually through a bunch of referrals and you just seem to have a, you explain things very well for me. You spend a lot of time on the phone with me and I just kind of wanted to put you on this podcast so you can help broadcast what you do instead of wasting your time with every single one individual person. <laughs> Hey, I appreciate that, but I don't mind the calls either. That's why my cell phone's on every email. And, uh, you know, insurance is important to people. It's a, a line item as far as expense, but as soon as there's anything that goes a little bit crazy with the property or a lender has a problem with the particular insurance that's being presented, it's important to understand the basics. So I'm glad you're having this podcast so we can get some of the information out. I know a lot of people go to the big names like the State Farms, Allstate, and that's what I did in the beginning. But once you get a few rentals, you need to get some real big kid insurance and not these kind of insurance that they don't even know what you're doing. They don't even have rental properties themselves. Well, I think you hit it on the nose. If you're an investor and you have one single property and it's a property just down the street or relatively speaking in the same city or your neighborhood, State Farm, Allstate, Nationwide, what what have you, one and done, you know, that's fine. They They serve a purpose for that. But if you're an investor that's building a portfolio, you'll find in time that the state farm or all state policies just aren't the right solution for what you're trying to accomplish. So what are some policies more expensive than others? You, you know, it's a, it's a good question. We get it asked all the time. You know, coverage amount is one of the factors that dictate premiums. The deductible certainly dictates uh, the premium. Picture it like a teeter-totter, if you will. The higher the deductible, the lower the premium. So someone with a 5000 or a $10,000 deductible is going to have a substantially less premium than someone with a 500 or a $1,000 deductible. And then finally, the location. Uh, many states that are Gulf states or Texas, uh, when you get to some of the, the hurricane areas, if you will, and I know Texas is a Gulf state, but you go a little bit further up and you still can have that wind risk. That's where the location of the particular property is going to have some bearing onto the cost of insurance. Uh, the same house in Dade County in Florida, for example, that premium will be three, three and a half times more expensive than, let's say, a home in Memphis. People look at the rent to value ratio and it looks off the charts in Florida and they just need to put in their spreadsheet and put the numbers accordingly. Once they put the property under contract, they should be calling you and verify those numbers. Uh, they they have to. You don't want any uh, – I don't think anyone's out to intentionally lowball anyone, but the reality is you have to benchmark all the numbers that are being presented to you. Let's talk about deductibles a little bit. I've heard it said somewhere that take, you know, take the, the monetary hit that you think is starting to be a pain, I guess for me it may be like 3000 bucks or 2000 bucks, 
and then double that. And that's kind of a good general rule of thumb of how much your deductible is. What's your thoughts on that? There's a few different uh, factors that go into that. You know, our, our program, we offer 2500 and a $5,000 deductible. Those are certainly two of the most popular ones. Um, when people have a claim of 500 bucks or $1,000, um, we stopped offering those low deductible policies because, quite frankly, people aren't going to even file those claims. You know, a little water heater uh, damage, for example, in the garage or a pipe underneath the kitchen sink. Those are claims that will actually ultimately cost you more money if you try filing them. So by um, having a policy that has the flexibility, for example, $2,500 is probably the norm, we're doing two things. We're keeping the tiny claims that can turn into a raise in your premium away from your uh, your coverage. And then secondly is, you know, there's the other half of this equation that is the lender. The lender is, has certain requirements, and some lenders don't want to see a deductible higher than $2,500. But to your point, if you can handle a $5,000 deductible, we think $5,000 is right in the ballpark. It's a, it's a good sweet spot number to consider. Yeah, and a lot of newbies say, oh, I, w- I don't want to put out more than $1,000, or they want a little deductible. But it's like, dude, like, what, why are you doing this? I mean, do you want to pay Ed, or do you want to make some money here? I, mean, I, I agree spot. with you know, and it's it's hard getting used to a different thought process. You know, this isn't your home. This isn't your automobile. It's a rental property. And at the end of the day, you're going to have some expenses attached to it. Let's get into the difference between actual cash value and replacement costs. I mean, we've all heard it, and I still don't know the difference. Actual cash value means that they're taking the uh, replacement cost of what a claim would be and then we're subtracting out depreciation, and we've all seen the the latest automobile commercials where someone is asking, do they really expect me to drive a, a car with three tires? And what they're really talking about is that we're going to depreciate based on the age of the property. Now, some of these homes are brand new remodels, and that's great, but they still have studs in the walls that might be 30 years old or 40 years old. So when we have a claim on a property, if it has a depreciation hit, especially if you're buying a 30-, 40-year-old property, you have a $40,000 claim. You may only get a claim settlement for eight dollars or $12,000 after the deductible. And it's important you pay attention because people shop insurance. And, you know, I'm like everybody else. I want a good deal, and I want the lowest price for the best uh, value I can get. But when someone quotes you an actual cash value policy, you have to really understand what you're getting. It's not replacement cost. And if the premium is 200 bucks cheaper than everybody else's, there's going to be a reason why. And that reason why is going to be in the form of your claim settlement should something happen to the property. So the actual cash value is the real sneaky, sneaky one that you got to be careful of. It's something to stay away from unless uh, two things. One is your lender is aware. And by the way, most lenders will not accept actual cash value policies. Or secondly, you're a cash buyer You've put no money into this property. It's uh, about to fall apart. You know it is, and you know you're not going to put money into it. And as a consequence, if it burns to the ground, you'll stick with a small settlement because you wouldn't rebuild it anyhow. I I don't know if you remember our conversation probably about a couple years back, but I said, okay, Ed, if let's just say one of my properties burns to the ground, I'm just going to take that money I get from it and just go cash it out or you know, buy another property. And what was the thought that you said to go actual or replacement costs on that one with that mindset? 
You know, it's it's a good question to ask. So let's put the lender issue aside because, again, lenders – that uh, if you're financing properties, will only accept a replacement cost policy. But you do have to rebuild in order to get the replacement cost settlement. Otherwise, all policies, including your all-state homeowner's policy, has a clause in there that says if you don't build, you'll get actual cash value, which is the lower settlement that we were just discussing because it takes the hit for depreciation. So property that you're just going to walk, and you know you're going to walk, It's not a bad idea to think about an actual cash value policy, but here's the fallacy, and this is what you and I talked about on the phone. Very seldom do you have a fire that takes the property all the way to the ground. Most of your claims are much smaller, so you have a small kitchen fire. So in that example, if you have a replacement cost policy and it costs 20 grand to replace the kitchen, you're going to get your full settlement after you do the rebuilding of that kitchen, less the deductible. However, if you have an actual cash value policy on that smaller claim, again, the property didn't burn to the ground here and the intent is to rebuild it, you're going to get hit with that depreciation. And as a consequence, you need 20 grand to redo the kitchen and you're going to get that check for thirty-five dollars or $4,500. For the people sleeping right now, we're recommending going with the replacement cost coverage. You know, you're talking about usually 150 bucks more in premium, and to me, it's a no-brainer. So why should I care about liability coverage? It depends what your net worth is, Lane. You know, I think, uh, you know, it's starting to get up there a little bit, so you need to pay more attention to that, uh, as we all do. Uh, certainly, if we have a fire claim, we want it to go smoothly. We want to get our money. And if it's maybe a grand less than what we're expecting or 2000 less, it, it's not going to kill us. Unfortunately, however, you get a liability claim. Someone who uh, trips on a, a cracked up driveway and falls flat on their head and has a concussion or something, God forbid, worse, and they turn around and sue you, they're going to get in your shorts. You're now talking about claim settlements in the amount of 100000 200000 300000 on upward. So as a consequence, if you go skinny or, or you're not paying attention and you don't have any liability insurance, you're going to see a lot of your net worth disappear out of your pocket into somebody else's. And I'm familiar with LLCs. And again, LLCs will protect you. But if you have any equity in the property, that equity in the property will be gone. But the point is, liability is cheap. For example, with our program, and this isn't to be self-serving, 120 bucks annually gets you a million dollars of coverage. So why why play around when the premium is so small? Yeah, I mean a lot of there's a lot of metaphors used for how to use insurance and as LLCs in conjunction like the moats and castle. I think of it like let's just say someone came after me with a gun and tried to mug me. I think of insurance as like a big wad of cash and I just throw it out in the air and hopefully that that makes them go away and then they'll they'll kind of go after that and you know leave me alone. Well, you, you know, to a degree, the the metaphor is is good. What you're really throwing out, though, uh, I'd, I'd, I'll take your metaphor and, and hopefully one up you, is you're really throwing out that invisible protective shield, that that Star Wars defense shield, because the expense is in the headache and the aggravation is being in court in the defense cost and having an attorney, and of course the defense cost is completely paid for by the liability policy. And to throw that shield in the air that protects the bullet from coming at you with very little aggravation so you can keep doing what you're doing, to, to me, is, is very, very important. So how is this coverage amount determined? For us, it's pretty flat. We offer a million dollars per uh, loss, 
and 2 million total in any one year. That's where you might see the word aggregate, and that's what it's alluding to. How much will the insurance company pay in any given year on a claim on that property? So with a 1 million per occurrence and a 2 million aggregate, with our program, you're talking $10 a month. And how would you recommend bringing in the uh, umbrella insurance? Because I know one time I had it through my primary residence and my car insurance, but at the time, because I had all these out-of-state properties, the umbrella didn't cover those either. You know, I'm I'm not going to try to uh, throw a smokescreen on that one. Umbrella policies can be a little bit challenging when you have a lot of out-of-state properties and you have different carriers involved. Because with an umbrella, they're going over the underlying insurance. So if you have three different carriers whose underlying insurance all might be a little bit different, one covers animal bites, for example, one doesn't. And again, we're speaking about liability, a a dog bites your tenant on your property or your tenant's dog bites the utility man on your property or or a friend who came over to play with with, uh, the neighbor's kids. You know, one policy may cover that and another one won't. So an umbrella is supposed to overlay over the existing coverage in some umbrellas just aren't prepared to do anything other than their own policy. So what I'm saying here is State Farm umbrella may only be utilized if you have State Farm policies. An all-state umbrella may only be utilized if you have all-state policies. There are some other ones that are a little bit more encompassing, but you have to pay attention and you have to truly make sure that what you have is overlaying what your existing coverage is. Do you provide any rent losses, you know, if like a tenant moved out or any special coverages we, like those? Uh, we do, but not necessarily if a tenant moves out. What we have, and again, lenders require this as well, at least most lenders do, and that's 12 months of loss of rents. And what loss of rents applies to is if there's a covered claim on the property. For example, Atlanta last year got hit real bad. We had a lot of hailstorms. And so a lot of roofs were just getting torn up and you had these golf size hailstones coming through the roof. And in one or two properties, we actually had to have the tenant move out because of the damage that was done to the roof and then the ensuing damage on the inside of the property. And if a tenant moves out of a property as a result of a covered loss, in this case, it was the wind and the hailstorm, then you are paid the rent until the house is repaired and is rentable again so a tenant can move back in the property. So what I'm saying is if it takes four months to do the repairs, you're going to get four months of rent. And that's what that loss of rents coverage is meant to do. And I just want to reiterate that, just say it in a different way, that it's kind of the quote, if not for this, then this will not be triggered, unquote. So if it weren't for the hailstorm, this coverage wouldn't kick in. Correct. How is that coverage determined? You know, this speaks to your point a little bit earlier that State Farm or Allstate, they're not really in this market. Yes, they have a program, and for one property, sure, why why not? But the reality is they treat your rental just as if it was a home like your homeowner's policy. But the truth is that rentals have home depot cabinets. They have uh, lower-grade carpeting. They don't necessarily necessarily have marble vanities in the bathrooms and thick carpet in the bedrooms. It's designed to be a rental property. And as a consequence, while State Farm may value it at 110 or 120 bucks a square foot, when you get into a true rental program, a good rental insurance carrier, 
they know the value of these rental properties and what it takes to restore them in the event of a claim. And that's why our program, we're at $65 a square foot minimum. As long as we have a minimum of $65 a square foot, then we'll go ahead and issue replacement cost coverage, which again is what the lenders want to see. Occasionally, a lender may ask that coverage to be raised to 70 or $75 a square foot, but very seldom, if ever, is it going to be anything close to what a state farm or an all-state agent would value the property. And again, it's because we know that this is a rental property. It's not high-grade materials on the inside. So, I mean, you've seen claims come through. How does it work differently with going to your run-of-the-mill insurance company and these? And Because I think at one time you told me that it's in the exclusions in these insurance policies. That's really the differences. You know the old adage, uh, you know, to quote, I'll get my own quote in here in Sperria, you know, the devil is in the detail. You look at insurance and you look at exclusions and, you know, you and I have talked, Lane, a few times about blanket programs and shared blanket programs. And there's a few providers out there that have these types of programs and and some of these shared blankets where you're not even the insured. You're an additional insured on someone else's proper uh, policy. As a consequence, you're not even involved in a claim set. And and in many instances, the check won't even be payable to you. It'll be payable to someone else. So exclusions are rampant in shared blanket programs because a lot of times the people offering it want low payouts because it increases their profitability, just to speak bluntly. With our program, it's a one policy per property. It's as if you have a State Farm agent on every corner. So exclusions, uh, by way of example to to your point, it's going to occur when the, the claim occurs. I've seen some shared blanket programs that exclude wind. So here you are and you have a hurricane and all of a sudden you find there's there's no coverage on your, your policy because wind isn't covered. Let, let's look at one that's in my policy so I don't sound so self-serving that quite frankly isn't everyone else's as well. And that's uh, especially in this time right now where we do have a lot of cold weather on the East Coast and you can have pipes on a vacant property that fill with water and then when that water um, when those the, that ice slowly defrosts a little bit the heat causes the uh, expansion and as a, a result the pipe bursts and you have water damage that's an exclusion bursted pipes are an exclusion so you have two issues there you're going to have not only the pipe and the plumbing damage that has to be replaced but any damage that ensuing water is going to create that's something that we try to get people to either winterize a property meaning drain the pipes and turn the water supply off if it's vacant or in some instances depending on the expense keep the heat on in the property and keep a little bit of drip flow coming out of each pipe so that there's a constant flow of water and it doesn't have a chance to accumulate and freeze inside of the pipe. But that would be an exclusion that's part of that devil in the detail. And again, on the shared blanket programs, you really have to pay attention. And most people don't even ask for a copy of the policy. Let me just highlight what you're talking about here, the shared blanket program versus individual policy. And I was in a shared blanket program And I didn't know what the heck it was. I just, you know, again, I follow referrals, but I kind of followed a lot of people that it was a lot of the blinding the blind in this one. And then you explained this to me. I mean, once you explain for everybody, I guess, exactly what's happening here, how, where is it like not making sense to do this? Well, let's say I'm a, uh, oh, a turnkey provider. And I insure all my properties at, uh, I don't know if you want to name names or not on the on the show here. That, that's up to you. But uh, I'm usually having to sign something 
that says, I relinquish my rights to negotiate my own claim because I'm an additional insured. I am technically not the insured on the policy. Therefore, I have a reduction in, in my rights. I'm not the policyholder. I'm an additional insured. So I don't know what contracts or agreements exist between the insured and between the insurance companies. And many times, I'm not even given a copy of the policy. I'm just being told I'm being added onto someone else's blanket because it's going to save me a few bucks. And I'm doing my rent-to-value and my cash-on-cash return, et cetera. And all I'm hearing is low premium, never any claims, don't worry about it. When in reality, I'm now not in control of my own insurance policy. So if there's a claim and it's denied, I don't have the right as the additional insured to get involved. It's something that's not very prevalent outside of this small niche industry, if you will. And it's done as a convenience, but it's unfortunately a detriment to many people who have had claim problems utilizing this vehicle to insure their properties. We're not going to mention the names in here because if these guys are doing this kind of chicken shit, they're also going to be the ones who's going to sue me for mentioning their name <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Can you explain to us exactly what they're doing? Something where they're keeping the smaller claims in-house, but then outsourcing the bigger ones? Is that kind of what's happening? Yeah, there's there's many fancy names like SIR, self-insured retention. But let, let me make it as, as straightforward as I can. If I'm the insured, and we talked about deductibles earlier, and I choose as the insured, not an additional insured, but as the insured, to have a $50,000 deductible or a $25,000 deductible, and I tell you, the additional insured, that your deductible is only $2,500, then any claim that occurs below that fifty or that $25,000 is between me, the insured, and the additional insured. The insurance company isn't a party to it because I've already negotiated, if I'm the one who's the holder of the blanket, I've already negotiated a much higher deductible. So I may charge you a premium, but I may only pay a certain portion of that premium to the insurance carrier. Did I lose you on that one, Lane? <laughs> it, it would be like, say, Lane, here's a policy with a $2,500 deductible. And me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and get a $25,000 deductible policy. And I say, Lane, give me 600 bucks. And then I turn around and only give the insurance company 400 bucks because I got a $25,000 deductible with them. That difference would be the self-insured retention, or that difference would be what I would be responsible for. And so it's totally at my discretion. That's not cool, man. That's not cool. It's part of what goes on in, in this niche industry, unfortunately. Yeah, so if Again, you guys want to have a, get on the phone with me, you guys click the button on the website and schedule a call. But beware, this stuff is happening. It, 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 it's pretty widespread, pretty widespread. And, and a lot of the, uh, the turnkey providers like it because the premiums might be a little bit less. And I like turnkey providers. Trust me, we get tons of referrals for them. But when they're utilizing the blanket program, their numbers look a little bit better. And, and that can be unfortunate as well. So what is the term that we can control F and find like a term that we can read up on in the contract? You know, it's 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 uh, when it comes to insurance, just simply ask uh, whomever you're buying the property from. Uh, do you have someone you want to refer me to? Of course, you know. I hopefully they'll say Ross Diversified, my my entity. If they're saying we already got the insurance handled, I'd be a little bit weary, and I'd ask them for a full explanation of what that means. 
And I would get into that devil in the detail and keep asking questions until you understand if you're an additional insured or if you're the insured. And that would be the starting point of the questions. Am I the insured under this policy or am I an additional insured? And if they tell you you're the insured, then it should be real easy to say, I'd like to see a sample insurance policy. If they tell you you're an additional insured, they may hesitate before you get a copy of the policy. So are people in your profession regulated? And like how a broker acts in the best interest of the client, fiduciary responsibility? Do they have to tell you? Fiduciary because we're an agent of the insurance carrier. So it's not a real estate broker fiduciary uh, relationship. We have our own business ethics. And my agency, Roster First Spied, has been around 31 years now. And we subscribe in our agency, you know, that we think the best answer is always when you are the insured. We have many policies that are blanket programs. So I want to be careful here so that the word blanket doesn't become a four-letter word. If you're the insured on that blanket, nothing wrong with that at all. If you're an additional insured, then your antenna should go up. So I might ask one of these guys, hey, I don't want to be the additional insured. Am I an additional insured on this? And they might say, you know, no, you're not under $125,000, but then mumble to themselves that anything above that is not. They don't really have any responsibility to really tell me the truth. Or You know, if you're going through a turnkey provider, their mission is to sell the property. So they're not going to let insurance get in the way of any one transition. And they're hoping that you're going to be a repeat buyer of their investments. So we have found that many who utilize shared blanket programs utilize us as well and have no problems with it. Because again, at the end of the day, they want to sell the investment property. That's what they're in business for. Anything else on this topic? On the topic of shared and uh, individual. individual? No, I think we've beat it to death here. Yeah, beaten dead horse. I think so. I think the only <laughs> thing we need to, uh, to touch upon here is many lend- uh, excuse me, many investors, and we've seen this and we've seen the agony. Unfortunately, we've seen the financial wipeout and I do mean wipe out, many cash buyers in particular uh, don't think about flood insurance. And they're in love with the numbers, and they're in love with the math, and that's outstanding. We, we all do. I own investment property myself. If we don't take the time to ask if the property is in a flood zone, and it turns out that it is, and it turns out there's a flood, the investor did not even make an informed decision if they want the flood insurance or if they didn't. An investor has to be aware of flood zones that are all over the country. And in Houston, I think it was last year, probably I must have had six or seven calls from investors who got completely wiped out that were cash buyers because they bought the investments and never raised the issue is a property in a flood zone or not. And we just want to try to create a little more awareness so that investors are aware. And it's not to self-serve. 99% of properties are not in flood zones. But it's painful when I get a phone call from someone who says they have water damage to the point where the city is almost telling them to uh, to uh, raise the property and clear the lot. And they had no idea they were even in a flood zone. 
So just want to get the the awareness level raised. So what do you do? You just go on the FEMA website, or you can go on not really a FEMA website. It should almost be part of the appraisal on the property. Uh, we can always run one for you. Many agencies can run flood insurance or, or flood zone determinations, which is the the appropriate terminology a flood zone determination, and that will tell you yes, you're in a flood zone, or no, you're not in a flood zone, and then you. As a cash buyer, you can make an informed decision. If you're using bank financing, they will run the flood zone determination. And if you're in a flood zone, they'll tell you and they will make it mandatory that you buy the flood insurance. How much is that if you're paying out a a couple hundred bucks per month on this stuff? The flood insurance wouldn't be a couple hundred bucks a month. It it might be four or five hundred dollars. Again, it's so location driven that that question. If you're in any of the Gulf states, flood insurance along the Gulf. If you're in one of those zip codes or counties that border the water, it's going to be pricey. There's no doubt about it. If you're in uh, what I say earlier, Dade County in Miami, it's going to be pricey. Something you have to be aware of versus not being aware of. Any thoughts on hurricane and earthquake insurance? Earthquake insurance is it's still a little over the top for me personally because the deductibles are usually 15 or 20 percent of the the amount of coverage. So that means you're almost looking at a total loss in order for the uh, in order for the earthquake to kick in. You know, a thirty thousand dollar loss. You know, if it's a seventy thousand dollar property, you got twenty percent deductible, fourteen thousand. You're looking at some sizable. Excuse me, no pun intended. Some sizable damage to to file a claim. Uh, we do have some investors that request it, and premiums will range anywhere between four hundred and eight hundred dollars on the average. Have you seen any earthquake claims come in, and what is the extent of the damage? Is it just little surface damage where, like you know, they're not nowhere near the twenty percent amount, or is it usually total loss? Uh, no, nowhere near it. Where where the uh, Insurance industry is looking a little bit harder, and perhaps you've seen some of the headlines, is Oklahoma, and I certainly don't want to alienate any of the Oklahoma turnkey providers. With all the fracking going on, there's been more earthquake activity in Oklahoma than there has been in any other state in the country. We're starting to see sinkholes occur, and again, you get into exclusions, and sinkholes can be an exclusion on a policy. And... Then you get into the wrestling matches at a sinkhole is an earthquake. So these aren't frequent occurrences. I'm not trying to uh, to create worry for anybody who has investment properties in Oklahoma. That's not my intent. It's just something to be aware of. Yeah, just look away, man. It's not fracking that's making the water all dirty and the earthquakes. (laughs) What about hurricane insurance? Uh, I don't see how you can avoid it. And it's not really hurricane insurance. Uh, It's wind. We have wind that's just part of our coverage. But this is a reason why premiums are higher in Alabama along the Gulf, Louisiana, Texas, certainly Florida. Uh, And as you move into the the waterways in, in, uh, in Georgia and up into South Carolina, as we recently saw, South Carolina took a major blunt of the last hurricane that went through. And that's wind damage, and wind is included in all of our policies. But unfortunately, in the states I just rattled off, uh, because of the hurricane risk, the uh, insurance premium, the rate is reflected, and so your rates are going to be much higher in those states. So I'm a turnkey buyer, and I'm looking at all these usual suspects like Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Memphis, Kansas City, a few more. Just looking from an insurance perspective, you know, I mean, obviously, Florida is a big one. Insurance is going to be way, way higher than all the others. 
what are the, the hot spots that kind of stick out and which ones are kind of the nice sweet spots for in, just in terms of insurance? It has nothing to do with the provider or the actual market, but just out of those, you know, those top 10. Illinois, we, we see the rates very, very competitive. Missouri, uh, certainly Tennessee. You know, and Memphis being such a hot spot. Atlanta, because it's away from the coast. So once you get away from certain zip codes, same thing with Dallas, uh, that used to be very hot for investment property. I think that uh, a lot of appreciation is, is caught up in the Atlanta and Dallas area, but there's, there's still good deals to be had. Birmingham right next to Atlanta. You know, Birmingham should be all right. You know, we're getting a, away from the water in Birmingham. You get to uh, other places, you know, there's good cash on cash in Ohio, in, in many in many of the cities in Ohio, Michigan, you know, Nebraska and, and Oklahoma. Again, forget the the fracking and the earthquake issue. Uh, the insurance rates are very, very reasonable on, on the West Coast, California, Oregon, uh, Nevada, Arizona. You know, I'm pretty much hitting it almost everywhere. Utah, you know, the rates are fine. It's it's really the Gulf states that the rates get a little bit pricey on. And that wouldn't be unique to my provider or, quite frankly, anybody else's. The rates jump and it's, it's that hurricane Gulf risk that, that creates it. Another insurance idea that I had a lot of people ask that's not doesn't really have anything to do with you ed but like you know people ask like hey i want a home warranty program which is kind of like insurance but i just think that's kind of overpaying for something that may or never kick in you got any thoughts on those you know i i know first american has one i know that uh some of the turnkey providers are are even getting into that where they'll kind of be the warranty company for you i think it's you look at the age of the property you look at the work that's been done to the property and and just how much of the guts the bones of the house has been rehabbed you know has the plumbing all been done do you have a new roof on it you know what are the appliances you know is it a brand new uh you know heater and in ac it, and you look at what's been done and you say to yourself, you know, if, if I'm inside of five years of everything basically being brand new, uh, do I have a need? Probably not. But, you know, that's why the warranty companies are there. They're they're betting that you don't have a problem and you buy it because you're you're betting that you might. So it's yeah. uh, that's that's an individual decision to each investor. Yeah, I never really liked those home warranty programs that the turnkey providers give you. It always seems like they're just delegating the issue in the future. I'd rather have the turnkey provider come back to my property, fix the problem that they didn't fix initially. Well, I think you have a very uh, assertive personality that works for you late, and I, I say that uh, in a very complimentary way. And you know, most providers at the end of the day, I think they truly do want to keep you happy because they're selling houses. And I can't see a $150 repair being worth alienating someone who's potentially going to buy another house from you. Anything else, typical questions you get from your folks? Uh, I think we covered a lot of it tonight. I don't think we left too many stones unturned. And, you know, the the insurance, and I think it's been quoted before, so I, I can't claim the quote. But it's it's the dog that doesn't bark. So quiet, everything's humming along. You don't think about insurance. It's a line item on your investigation of the property and whether you're trying to determine if you're going to buy it or not, if the, the return is what you want it to be. And you just don't think about it. And then you have that claim and the whole thought process changes to say, geez, I really do need to understand what's covered and what's not covered. If someone does trip on my property because a tree root broke up through the ground and now I got somebody suing me, am I covered? And you kind of want to ask those questions on the front side or at least be aware of the the big I gotchas so that you know if you have protection in the event should something of that type of nature occur on the property. 
Well said. And thanks for Ed for coming on. Hey, I appreciate it. Why don't you uh, give out your contact information if you want to get a hold of you? It's 1-800-210-7677. Again, that's 1-800-210-7677. You can Google Ross Diversified and our website will come up. My staff, we've been together, GC, you know, we got 25 years, 30 years, 25 years. We're a bunch of old timers and we, we are investors and we can answer your questions and we're happy to get them. We want you to make an informed decision. Again, that's one 800 210-7677. Yeah, and I've been mentoring a few people to buy some single-family homes, and I, I've been sending them to you, so no problems we, yet. <laughs> we, we appreciate it. Keep them coming, and if there's any listeners out there that just want some general guidance or have some questions on their existing coverage with no intent on switching, you know, there's a lot of investors. We write a lot of policies. We'd be happy to just answer some questions for you and help you understand what you have a little bit more clearly. Thanks, Ed. Talk Thank to you, you Lane. Have a good evening. Me too. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.